It, I'm just thinking back to all the all the stuff that I've said to kids and and just disrespect and because what I was doing I was pumping myself up and esteeming myself, not knowing that on a much deeper level it actually is treating whatever anxiety I'm, I'm afraid that these people are gonna think something of me. My rep, I'm afraid of my reputation. I'm afraid of this cat gonna bully me. He's gonna hurt me. He's gonna harm me. So I'm gonna start shooting on this cat. And you work more in the crowd. Control. Exactly. Because that's building me up. And then it's caused and then it causes me to feel grandiose. So now I'm more prone to it. So now I'm gonna be the funny guy. And now I'm gonna always be shooting on cats. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think this is the difference. Well, and, and just a I just want to just put this there because that's that's actually a book that's probably gonna be my third book. Um, is addressing a lot of this stuff we're talking about in terms of you know, street culture and beliefs. And so we can put a pin in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to put a pin in it. I want to know what you what you think, Kristen. I know. I've, I've been back here playing it. The background. Like, I do I, wanna, it's always I, the I quiet wanna, yeah. one that got the... Because when you get so passionate and answering, like you, but you collecting all the data. What you yeah, got yeah. for us? What you well, got? I do want to clear up so for, our, for our listeners, because I know we have a, a diverse uh, listeners. And so when Chris says shooting on cats, he's not... <laughs> He's not saying that he's, that he's actually shooting them. Okay, uh, right, fair, fair point, right? Uh, he's making jokes, playing the dozens. He's, yeah, playing the dozens. Yo, mama. Uh, <laughs> um, which I mean, as as Chris says that, I could just it just took me back to then was summer day camp. That's all we did all day. Sit, sit in the park and shoot on each other. Okay. Just treating our depression um, and anxiety. Right. right. <laughs> One hundred. Yeah, but but um. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've spoke with multiple athletes over the past probably three to four months. Um, and I'm talking about high, high-performing athletes who, you know, may have, you know, big followings, that kind of that grandiose appearance. But, you know, a lot of them have dealt with depression and, and you know, openly um, and things like that. So, yeah, man, it's it's such a deep... Right. We can go so many different avenues. And, you know, when I'm listening, right, I'm just I'm like self-evaluating like, man, like is this literally I will tell you on Thursday. Right. I probably I had some of my athletes on the on the sideline, uh, the varsity players, varsity football players. And I mean, we're in the middle of COVID. Right. So I'm telling them like, hey, look, I need you all to stay, stay over, you know, near the near the end zone. If you're going to be on the sideline just because we're trying to keep the you know, the sideline clear. And of course they keep, you know, trickling down, trickling down. And so it came to a point where they were kind of impeding on me and, and my staff doing what we needed to do. Um, then like one of the coaches said something to my staff. So then I just kind of like snapped right on the, on the players and just let them know like, Hey, look, y'all need to go in the, in the stands. I didn't curse at them or anything, but you know, I kind of puffed up a little bit. And so, you know, I felt kind of bad. Like, you know, I could have just held huddled them up like, look, guys, you know, I just need you to go in the stands so you can. But in the moment, right, in the moment, the heat of the moment and everything going on, you we all know how how your adrenaline pumps when you're on the sideline, right? So I had to tell them, like, hey, look, man, I need to get on the stands. Or I'm going to have y'all doing bear crawls, right, right, on Monday, you know. So, yeah, man, for sure. And and I think the biggest thing um, is that we we recognize it, right? We recognize it, kind of, you're able to self-reflect um, and then learn from it and, and look to change that behavior. That's the, that's the biggest thing, right? 
for all of our, our listeners out there who are mostly uh, sports medicine professionals, right? Practice with your mental health and with the mental health of, of your athletes and things like that. Practice self-reflection and actualization, right? Because that's what really helps us be able to to, to move forward. A lot of individuals who I've talked to who, who are dealing with, you know, depression and, and just certain mental health and they'll be like, oh, you know, I, I talked to my my therapist and I just feel like they're not helping me, right? They're not giving me answers. And I'm like, but but you are, you're coming to kind of the self-realization, like you understand what triggers you, you understand, you know, what's happening. Um, so it's not about them giving you answers and saying, okay, you need to go and do 10 push-ups, right? It's about you coming to that self-actualization and understanding what your triggers are. So then you can go ahead and control what you can control. So, And it's about actually doing the 10 push-ups. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? I went to my therapy <laughs> session and I'm not better. And it's like, bro, it takes time. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you yeah. don't go do 10 push-ups mm-hmm. and don't just do 10 push-ups one day. You don't do 10 push-ups and then you see the change. Yeah. You got to do it for a few months. And and, and that's, and that's exactly for what life. I've been preaching t- to my athletes who are dealing with mental health is like, it's not, so you don't tear your ACL and then be the next day be like, oh, why can't I run and cut and you know, go score a touchdown, right? You understand that there's a process. And so we need to stop doing so much self-infliction when it comes to our mental health because we're just like, why am I like this? Like, why can't I, like, I don't understand why, you know, why today I'm not better. But it's like, you know, just how we take care of our fig- our other physical ailments, we got to think the same way about our mental health and understand it's going to take time and don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah, you also, you also talked about an understanding of, of self, having self-awareness. And you're like, that's 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 part of the goal is when you're self-aware of what's what's really driving me in this situation. You know, am I using ego uh, or success to cope with my depression or if I or am I just doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing? You got to be self-aware enough to do that. And, and the problem is when we talk about mental health, when a person becomes self-aware, they could start feeling like they're further behind than what they actually are. Self-awareness should be a metric that we're like, no, that's like, like you need a trophy <laughs> for, yeah. for now, yeah. for now being able to recognize it. But what happens is they become self-aware and then they start to notice it way more often than they did because they were numb to it or weren't aware before. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that this was, I was, I was depressed. I didn't know that I was bottling up my emotion. I didn't know that this anger was coming from a bad place. Like, and, and now I've become aware of it. I see it all the time. Oh, I'm terrible. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. And it's like, no, no, no. You're further. You went from unaware to aware. Here's where you're at on the spectrum. Now heal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that perspective is important, bro. You know what it is. Some, so, some go, very go prominent therapists, let's use the topic of anger as an example. You lash out at people in your job or... You can't control your anger because you feel out of control. Oftentimes, that's because when you were a very young child, you maybe had parents that acted that way and you couldn't control the situation. Thus, your coping mechanism moving through life is to control the situation by being angry at somebody. That gives you this real quick sense of, okay, I feel better because I'm, I'm protecting myself. But really now you're just creating relationship issues. And so... Therapists will often say, you know, write a letter to your young child and say, you know, I have empathy for you. I have compassion. You were just protecting yourself in your early stages of life as a child, because that's usually how mental health stems from our past and upbringings. 
so that you can forgive that child. And then as an adult, start to recognize, okay, that used to be a coping mechanism for me, but this is no longer a healthy coping mechanism because it's affecting my life. It's affecting my job. It's affecting the people around me. Yeah. MedBridge provides evidence-based courses, unlimited CEUs, home exercise programs featuring 6,000 plus exercises and more. Use promo code THEADVANTAGE, that's T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, to get an annual MedBridge subscription for as low as $200. To get back to that grandiose, that's really resonating with me, right? Um, <laughs> I told you. It rocked everybody. I'm like, hold on, you got yeah. to assess that. You that, do. That, Go ahead. I mean... So it's not just for the athletes, right? So I'm speaking to, to medical providers and everybody pr- practitioners now, right? I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it, right? You see the grandiosity of fellow colleagues when we're in school, when we're studying and they're flaunting and showcasing, they're you know, they're prancing around with all of the knowledge that they have. And I'm, you know, and it's- I have been that. And, and I was going to say, and I have found instances where it has been me as well, right? And it's, and it does feel good in the, in the moment. And it's like, yo, man, I'm, there's some sort of anxiety or potential depression or insecurity even, right? So I'm, I'm even throwing out other things so that it doesn't have to feel so extreme. It's like, oh, these cats are crazy. So they're just saying every time I'm da, 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 I'm just dealing with depression. Okay. Maybe it's not full-blown depression, but it, there's a sense of insecurity. There's a sense of fear. There's a sense of not uh, mm-hmm. of your identity being challenged and thought less of. And yep. so this, this, so practitioner as a practitioner, we have to, we have to even control that for ourselves, right. As we're providing care for our athletes, not to, to puff ourselves up, even with our athletes that we're trying to serve, right. We're trying to showcase all of this stuff that we know in an attempt to, to, to try to bring care to them. But in actuality, what we're really doing is trying to make our, we're trying to cope, with something that we haven't addressed at home because I got in a fight with somebody at home or because I'm upset with my wife or my spouse or or whatever the case is, I'm going to go and pump myself up and, you know, whatever, be grandiose to these people I could be grandiose with. And so, you know, these connections can have practical implications on even what we do as healthcare providers in the athletic training space. So, yeah, that is a profound statement, Chris. When you, when you say that, it's funny because the first thing I think of is we, you always hear like individuals say, oh, that person has the Napoleon syndrome, right? The, the, the small man syndrome. But yeah. I think we can all have it wherever we feel small in our life, right? Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, so we all have, we don't have to be physically small in stature, right. uh, but we all have kind of that Napoleon syndrome wherever we feel inadequate. And then that's yeah. when, when that you know, Napoleon just made so you, it famous. Yeah, and, yeah. and you just start puffing your chest out. You got sure. too much credit. <laughs> so look, in the in the in the in the in the respect of our time, I you know there is more conversations to be had for sure. But in light of yeah. like this, specifically in light of this uh, this theme, when we're talking about identity, when we're talking about mental health, so start you know focused starting with sports and athletes and their identity, being mindful of people of color being mindful of black athletes and the experiences that they face, but also everyone else too, right? It spills over to everyone else, but being mindful of all of that practitioners as well, people who are serving these populations, 
considering all of those things and the the identity struggles and challenges that come up, the the mental health challenges that come up as a result of these things that we're addressing, we've highlighted a, a very profound thing about maybe even signs and signals that we ourselves are dealing with depression, anxiety, insecurities, you name it, and how that will have a negative impact on our outcomes. If we are the healthcare provider, it will have a negative outcome. Um, if even if we're the athletes, right? So if we are all educated on ways, first of all, that this is what happens, let's talk briefly, like briefly about some things that we can do to counteract some of this stuff. <laughs> I already got a whole list. Right. And, and, and then maybe that can kind of put a bow on this part of it. And then, you know, we figure out a way to, to pick this conversation up later, you know? I know, I know Daryl has recommendations too, because he's, he's talked about them. We should take time to just thank Daryl for his time today, but also for your vulnerability, Daryl, as the person you are, because... Mental health has such stigma still to this day, even though people talk about the stigma. But especially with men, we shame men for not being, for, for when they're vulnerable. Yeah. And, that, and that is a societal issue. And you... And then be a black man on top of that. Absolutely. And yeah. you overtly speak about it, provide help to people. I mean, your work is just so needed by, I don't know, thousands of other people. But so just thank you for what you do for our society and for athletes and everyone. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, thank you. And I appreciate y'all as well, because y'all model that. In fact, it's been modeled throughout our recording today. Let me tell you this quick story about where this comes from. This came from, I, I became a pastor and a lot of my speaking was... In, in low-income communities, I uh, did a lot of, I, I still do a lot of work in addiction recovery space because I was addicted to opioids. And I'm in this meeting, it's probably about 70 to 100 recovering addicts. They're from all different walks of life. Everybody got records, everybody got bad histories. And this is from all over the U.S. here in Metro Atlanta because they come here for recovery. And then we bring them all together in our little meeting. And so I was, I was trying to convey uh, kind of how to communicate your emotions and like talking about vulnerability being a strength, not a weakness. And, 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 and I had been saying that message for a long time and I was getting this vibe from the people listening that they just wasn't respecting me. Like, not that I wasn't living it, but it was like, Oh, he a pastor, he weak, he soft. And that started to, I don't know, play with my grandiose. <laughs> Yeah, to treat it. And I had to treat it a little bit, but you know, I don't know. But 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 some good came out of it. So I got I snapped. I did I got mad because I could feel this resistance in the room and it's it's killing the atmosphere, it's killing the transformational energy. So I gotta deal with it, right? Like I ain't gonna call nobody out, but I'm gonna uh, communicate a narrative that brings them from that belief that I'm somehow less valuable or 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 less worthy to listen to because I ain't got a different outfit on talking Ebonics to you right now. And, and so I snapped and I'm like, <laughs> y'all mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to say, I'm going to try to get back in the moment. All right. I'm just going to say, it. don't judge me. So I'm like, I'm like, and a lot of y'all over here looking at me, 
wondering why I'm trying to tell you that this trick because y'all think this stuff is a game, but and, and you don't respect me because you think you hard, you think you tough. And I was like, but here's one thing I know. Ain't nobody going to square up right now. Like, nobody going to do that. <laughs> so while I'm the person who's weak because I'm the pastor and it's it's all vulnerability and you think I got three girls and now I didn't, you know, that don't got nothing to do with you out wrestling me, out boxing me as a man. So, so just because you got this angry face on don't make you tougher than me. Square up. Line up. Right. All right. So now that we got that settled that you ain't about to do that. Let me tell you why vulnerability is actually a strength and not a weakness. Right. So you mean to tell me that you're man enough, you're tough enough to not take nothing from nobody. You ain't gonna let nobody talk to you the wrong type of way. You mean to tell me you man enough to to punch somebody in the mouth. Uh, you mean to tell me you man enough to, to, to shoot somebody. You mean to tell me you man enough to, to, to be all angry and hurtful and violent. But you're not man enough to say your feelings hurt when your feelings is hurt. Is you tough or not? So you tough enough to throw a punch, but you're not tough enough to be honest about how you really feel. But I thought you keep it 100. Don't you keep it 100? So you keep it 100 when it's when it's like, oh, I keep it 100. Ain't nobody going to talk to me like that. But you're not going to keep it 100 with your feelings, though. Why? So you're not tough. You're scared. You're not keeping it 100. You're 75. Uh. Because here's what's because I'll tell you what's 100. I didn't see a, a true scenario. I didn't see somebody get in a fight because somebody said something about them and they ain't gonna let nobody talk about they, them or their family like that. But then their girlfriend broke up with them. They was heartbroken. I've watched them. I've watched them talk about, uh, man, forget her. You know, she ain't nobody. I got other chicks on speed dial. But then later, you still hitting her up, texting. The message you sending her is different than the message you sending us. You trying to get her back on the low. Which one is it? That's what I'm talking about. So, so this, this is part of the, my third book that I'm telling y'all I'm writing mm. is because this stuff kills people. So, so we're, we're saying something right now that a lot of people who we really want to buy into this message are are anti that they're like vulnerability is not strength that you're just saying that because it's a cute quote. And so I'm yeah. framing him. I'm like, no, it's actually the highest form of the narrative. You're telling yourself, you're telling yourself you keep it 100. You're telling yourself you're tough and all this stuff. If you're really tough or really man enough, I'm just using that because that's language they use. Right, right, right. If you're man enough to be violent, you should be man enough to say your feelings is hurt when they hurt. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, because because that's how you actually heal, and that's how you actually have what we're talking about is great, like mental health and coping mechanisms and knowing how to deal with stuff. It's about you cannot do it outside of vulnerability, and it takes more strength than it does. So I'm like, thank you for saying thank you, but I, I want the listeners to know if this gets to the right people that we want it to get to, and we who are not viewing it this way, I want them to know like, hey, this is how you actually live out a more true narrative versus something that's half truth and half lie. It, it will absolutely resonate with somebody, but I, you're exactly right. For a lot of people, it takes a long, many years of maturity to self-reflect the things that Kristen was talking about earlier. And our society teaches people, especially men, that strength is not in <laughs> self-reflection, vulnerability. 
and especially sport. I mean, these are themes in sport that very toxic masculinity. A lot of people are scared of vulnerability because it puts you in position to take a hit. But yeah, if we were in a fight and you took one and you got back up, people see that as strength. Vulnerability vulnerability puts you in that position because when I open myself up and I'm like, hey, what'd y'all really think about the podcast today? Did I say something of value? I'm putting myself in in a vulnerable position, which is at risk for being hurt. And that's why people don't want to do it. They don't want to be hurt. But what I tell people that vulnerability is a Batman signal for love. It lets love know that it needs to rush in. And the, the, the example that I use when I say this is that when I was going through my depression, I did not understand the power of vulnerability. I thought that it was a weakness. And so I did not tell people I was having suicidal ideations. I was on Facebook and Twitter talking about for every dark night, there's a brighter day. Okay. The way that somebody responds to for every dark night, there's a brighter day is much different than they respond to someone who says they're having thoughts about harming themselves. But yet I was telling myself that my fans don't care about me. My coaches, my athletic trainers don't care about me. My former players don't care about me because I'm over here struggling with this depression and having these suicidal thoughts, but nobody's calling me, texting me, picking up the phone, coming to see how I'm doing, which it was partially true. But what was in my control was my level of vulnerability, because if I would have sent that signal out there and been more vulnerable, I guarantee you my phone would have rang. Yep. So we've got a lot of people who are mad at other people when they should be the ones being more vulnerable. How about you stop throwing punches because somebody spoke to you wrong and say that you you actually are angry because your daddy left you. That's insight. It takes a lot for people to get insight. But how would it change our communities, though? It would be amazing. Right? Okay. That's what I'm trying to tell people. And this, and this happened in, in, in the, when the pandemic hit. There was a lot of speakers, seven-figure, six-figure speakers. Boom, nothing. Lost it. And they over here still posting clips of them speaking. They old clips. And they're trying to portray like they still on tour. And then they end up having to go pick up a job and not stay in the industry. And I was like, man, if you would have just told people I'm having a struggle, I'm having a hard time. Not that you put it on social media, but you reach out to some peers and say, I'm having some hard time finding gigs right now. How y'all handling this? Somebody could have could have spoon fed you a couple of gigs. Right. Yes. But they don't know you need help because you're not asking for it. So when you put that vulnerable out there and it's not about begging, it's not about none of that. It's about being honest and truthful and stop trying to put up this front. Because that is how you attract the love that you actually need from other people. Yep. So this, this is, this is powerful. By the way, this is what makes great teams, great teams who know each other. Like when we, I'm telling you, one of the things we did when we were, listen, we were ranked 23rd in the nation at Central Michigan University. We switched coaches. We went from 23rd in the nation with a number one draft pick on our team, with a uh, three Super Bowl winning NFL athletes, with some CFL and AFL athletes on our team still. And we went three and nine that next season. Mm. Our talent was the same. Our work ethic was the same. What they stopped doing is they stopped doing these, uh, we used to do these, uh, get-togethers, little fellowship meetings where you just go over, you eat barbecue, but that's when you got to know a person for mm-hmm. real. So now you're not just the dude from Muskegon, man, now you the dude that's that, like, man, you're the only hero from your community, bro. You fighting for something. I'm going to treat you like that. So now, you know, I'm a little, I ain't going to be like, man, what you doing? Why you ain't me? I'm like, bro, remember why you doing this for? Mm-hmm. 
And he like, he right. Let's go. Versus me being like, what you doing? He like, man, what you doing? You missed the line. Now we arguing and fighting. We don't have strength. Yep. We don't have unity. When vulnerability could have been the bridge. That's so salient. I, I'll give everybody an example in a marriage because I, I think you can, you can transfer this to every part of life. If your significant other is not doing something or is doing something that's irritating you, let's say they didn't clean up after themselves and you say, I'll just say me and I'm, I'm saying it to my wife, honey, why didn't you clean up the dishes? I could say the same exact thing, but I could say, I love you to pieces. I just wish you could help me out in maybe cleaning up. You're saying the same thing, but it's going to hit really, really differently. And, and Daryl just gave the exact example in his teammate. But one of the ways you say it causes issue or is negative. And the other way you say the same exact thing just in a different manner, brings some positivity and ingratiates people. 100. Look, I want to say something because Daryl really brought something to light. And I think it's important to say with our, our audience population. And so, as we know, right, in athletic training, we have our six domains and we, we learn so many different things, right? So we learn a little bit about psychology, right? And being able to work with our athletes and get them the help that they need. But this is something that all athletic trainers need to think about. And this is honestly where I feel what sets me apart from other athletic trainers in, in practicing. And so I don't know if anyone ever realizes it, but as an athletic trainer, you have the biggest opportunity to help a student with their mental health, our student athlete, our athlete, patient, in the middle of competition. And so let me, let me give you an example. And I swear this happens to me every game, no matter what sport I'm working. Okay. Yesterday, an athlete uh, made a mistake or Thursday made a mistake. Right. So of course, make a mistake on the field. Coach is going to get on them. Right. You da, 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 blah, 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 comes out. He's pissed off to the point where he's about to start crying. Right. As soon as I see something like that, I'm the one who goes, boom, talk to the athlete. Right. Get them back in their right mind. Okay. Let them deal with their emotions. But literally every time, every single time, if I see that, see an athlete come off, I'm the first one. Boom, I'm there. I was watching Last Chance, Last Chance You. Anyone see that? The basketball one with uh, East, it's on Netflix with uh, East LA College. Elac, yeah. East, East LA College. And man, while I'm watching this, I'm getting so passionate. Like, dude, this is why I do what I do. This is why I work at the schools where I work at because these are the athletes that, like, I am passionate about working with. And, like, I'm seeing the kid, you know, the hothead kid they had who storming out of practice and stuff like that. I'm just like, man, where the athletic trainer? Like, in my head, I'm like, where the athletic trainer at? Like, those are the kids where I'm, man, I'm leaving practice and I'm in, in the locker room with them. You know what I mean? And I'm having that conversation and I build those relationships with my athletes so that I can have those conversations and help them through that stuff. Like, that's... Literally, that's why I do what I do. And as an athletic trainer, you have that ability. You have relationships with your athletes. You have to step out and be able to help them. And the, the best time that you, you're going to help them is in the middle of the game because not saying that their coaches aren't good, but when, when, when they're getting it 
or when they're down on themselves for not performing, right? That's that's when you have that the opportunity to go off a relationship that you've built off with them and then be able to, you know, help them with their mental health. And then even outside of that at practice, man, like, I don't know. Like that that's why I work where I work. When people say, Why why do you work at a high school? Why do you work at Title One schools? You know, my my student population is very heavily foster kids. I got a ton of foster kids at our at our school. And man, I I just love on those kids and I, you know, I nurture their mental health because it's so important. Yeah. So as you athletic trainers out there, we always have action items. Look at how you can build those relationships with all of your athletes and be able to be there for them mentally in the middle of competition, at practices, before practices, after practices. Like that's your duty um, as an athletic trainer. So that's all I want to say. Is Kristen, I like what you're saying. And Adam, you're, you're saying the same thing. And I've had similar thoughts, but it's actually formalizing more. It, like there is a formal space for us to really intentionally fill this role to some extent, right? We still need to understand our scopes of practice and all of those things. Yeah. But to your point, Kristen, for the practitioners, the actionable items, yeah, like that is doing what you just talked about has less to do with what I think we have been conditioned to think it is, which is it has less to do with us going and coddling the athlete, us going and undoing or impeding with the coach's approach to helping that athlete be better. We're not, we're talking about, let's just face it, bro. We're talking about unhealthy coaches who Mm -hmm. are, who have poor tactics with coaching athletes. We're not, so we have to be careful with that, right? So this is, gets back to, you know, to Kristen's point, like what I know this about Kristen, right? I already know this about Kristen. So I think it's important to highlight this though, for those who don't know this about Dr. Ross, he not about to go to the athlete who just got grilled just because the coach raised his voice at the athlete and spoke sternly to the athlete. Kristen has enough emotional awareness and intelligence to know, okay, that actually was cool. Like that's how that athlete needs to get got at. He wasn't disrespected. His character wasn't torn down. None of those things. So I'm going to let him sit in that. I'm not going to give him an out that way. Right. Kristen is talking about the kids who are being called organs of the opposite sex or just cursed at or just, you know, inhumane things, if we mm-hmm. just call it like no. it is. Well, let me stop you because none of my coaches do that. And I, and I just gave an instance of what happened on Thursday. And so and so my thing is that kid comes out of the game. He feels like, damn, I can't do it. I feel like a failure. So it's not it's not that the coach called him out. So that was the extreme. extreme. Yeah. So the, the coaches didn't do the extreme, but. Yeah. For the kid, right? And, and so we're talking about kids. This kid's 10th grade. So we're talking about somebody 15 years old, right? And, and so feeling like a failure, right? And so I'm just in his ear like, look, you got to let, first of all, you got to let it go in one ear out the other, okay? That's the coach's job. He's going to get on you if you didn't do your assignment, but you can't let that affect you, okay? You got to pull yourself together, get ready to go back out there. You're going to get another opportunity, okay? He's getting on you because he expects you to do a job, right? He's counting on you. And you know what you're supposed to do. Why? And that's why you're kind of frustrated yourself. But if you sit here and beat yourself up, when you go back in the game, you're going to make the same mistake. Okay. That's going to happen again. Okay. So, so, so I'm just kind of, right. I'm talking to the kid like that, but then also, you know, outside of that, I'm building a relationship with the kid and, and being able to be there 
if you know if he needs anything and he knows that he can come to me right they know that they can come to me okay i've had multiple times a basketball kid come to me used to come out of the game and punch the floor right and i'm having this conversation I'm like look first of all right you're going to break your hand <laughs> right so we don't we don't want to do that exactly. right but you know what's going on and i'm having these conversations with the kid after the games and now he's boom coming to me right and this is a kid the, the same kid i'm talking about and this was years ago he came to uh, his sister had a basketball game and was about to get in a, a fight in the stands. And so this kid just like blacks out, right? Boom, I come up, get in his face. Look, hey, look at me. Hey, Dr. Ross. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm coming down, right? None of the administrators, nobody else was able to get this kid under control, but he saw my face, right? And then it's like, boom. Okay? So the, the voice of reason with him. And so what I'm saying is, we know as athletic trainers, you have the ability and you're around these individuals, you have the ability to build that relationship, right? And work on their mental health. And plus, I can ref- refer my athletes out to the appropriate healthcare professionals that they need, whether it's on campus, whether it's off campus, right? And again, they're coming and telling me everything, right? As an athletic trainer, we know that we get it all. We hear all the stories. We know what's going on, okay? So, so you have to be able to to do that and and outside of them being athletes, just help them as individuals. And so that's what I was saying. So Got again, yeah. right, I'm not undermining any coach. Okay. I've never had a coaching staff that I'm undermining was not, some yeah, coaches. Was, was not appreciative, I'm was not appreciative of, of what I provide. Yeah. Um, they trust me one hundred percent. But at okay. the end of the day, right, I'm, I'm as far as on yeah, as far as on the sideline, I'm getting that kid back in the mental space, yeah. like Daryl was saying, like, yeah. you know what you're here for, right? It's, it's, it's not like, what you doing, what you doing, what you doing? It's yeah. like, no, you know what you're here for, you know what you need to do. Let's let's get back into our mental space. So, so I'll say it this way then, because I still, I think, because I think the point that still needs to be made though, Chris, so I'm glad you clarified that. So, although you weren't talking about the extreme, you are actually talking about that gray space. And it's even more imperative for me to say what I was getting ready to say, which is, we have to be careful as practitioners to address the situation and address the athlete in the larger and the bigger picture as well, right? Because we all know, and this is me speaking as a seasoned athletic trainer, right? This is when I was younger and all, this is all of us speaking. I see we have experiences. There's a larger culture that's happening on the team, you know? And part of what helps us keep that culture is because we know how to relate to the coaches. We have earned the coaches' respect. And then in this case, it sounds like you do. You have to be careful, though, if you are a practitioner out there and you don't have a relationship established with your coaches and they don't know you and you just go up to that athlete after they've got in that athlete's behind, you know, and, and just told them, you know, and what I mean by that is they've just disciplined them or, you know, whatever. We have to be careful and know the culture of our coaches to 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 understand like what is that perception what is the optics of that what do they see happening right like no we're not trying to i'm not undermining i'm not undermining you when i don't need to undermine you right so in that case where i'm actually just trying to be an extension of your staff those are the kids situations where the coach actually appreciates you you're like okay yeah go talk yeah go ahead and talk to chris cuz i know you know and and going back to marriage right it's the same thing i'm going to give my kid a tough word and sometimes my wife has to be like Hey, I'm not going to discredit anything your father just told you. I'm going to give you the other side of the coin and remind you that dad's not talking about your identity. He's talking about your behavior, which you actually need 
to fix and and be it needs to be the behavior needs to be addressed right so when (laughs) for those of like i guess i just want to i want to one bring bring the proper honor and respect to the discipline and the field of those who who stay in this space right um and two i want to also encourage and challenge athletic trainers to get more reps in this area and, and yeah, build it up because we do have a very strategic and unique advantage and perspective for these athletes to be able to step in. But if you're not careful, you're going to ruin, you, you can potentially ruin the culture of the place too. Right. So you have to just walk that balance. And Kristen, you like, you do it so well, like you have an unconscious competence about it. Right. So I think what I'm, what I'm hoping to do, because I know there's all sorts of listeners who listen to us. I want to make sure that for the young or the new or uh, the inexperienced athletic trainer, when they hear you talk, you know, we're saying the same thing. I'm trying to tell them like, actually it might be worth it for you to go to that athlete on the, in those extreme cases. And you take the lump for that kid and advocate for them when you see that they are being dehumanized in front of everybody. In those instances, it's actually okay to under, I would say, undermine the damn coach, right? Because they have, you have just as important of a role as they do. And arguably in that moment, probably a more important role, right? The health and well-being of that child. Have the courage to do that. Have the courage to do that because we all hear stories of that one coach, that one horrible instance of a coach who, who potentially just wrecked the kid for a long time. Now, what Kristen is talking about, what Dr. Ross is talking about is those instances where coach is not berating the athlete and, you know, everything is cool. Like, but you still see the kid having challenges with that. We have to learn how to navigate those situations as well. Cause I do the same thing, man, but I just make sure it's on the sly, right? It's like, you know, I, I don't, I try not to even make eye contact with the athlete. If I, you know, Hey, you good. You good. Just keep next play. Just do what you know you need to do and walk off. Yeah. Right. And hey. it's, and Kristen does Dr. Ross, yeah. do you not do that? Yeah, no, but, but you know, what's funny and what you're saying is absolutely right. And what you're telling these athletic trainers is, or what I think is important is having a relationship. You know, it starts with building a relationship with the coaches, with the coaching staff as well. Right. Because, because yeah, you know, their mental health comes into play. And I think that's, again, something that I do well is, you know, first thing I do is, is build a relationship with the coaching staff. As far as the technical part and them trusting what my ability to do my job, that comes with time. But yeah. I already know like that that's going to come because I know I do a good job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, build, building a relationship with the staff as well, you know, on a, on a mental level. And so it goes back to how we opened up, right? It's not about, oh, this is, you know, I'm Dr. Ross and this is my title, but who am I as an individual, right? They know who I am as an individual. I know who yeah. they are as an individual. And it's been like that, you know, every everywhere I've worked. And so that's what really makes it my job a lot easier, yeah. Um, but I was laughing at, as you were going on about, you know, stepping in because I'm like, Daryl, like, hey, they ain't going to square up. So I ain't worried about the coaches. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but that's me, though. <laughs> at Vantage is the premier provider for non-traditional work, advocacy, and resources while pushing the boundaries of athletic training. Follow them on social media at the at Vantage and join their email list for an even deeper dive into all things non-traditional and access to more boundary-pushing content. Carol, we actually, <laughs> we want to hear from you, man. Like, as we, you know, as we kind of hit that ping pong back and forth, and then we need to kind of put a stick a pin in this and wrap it up. But 
what what would you have to say to some of the things that we just said and kind of how, you know, how would you articulate and or, you know, summarize something good or a takeaway from that? So traditionally, I agree that if, if you look at the average team, the athletic trainer is probably most positioned during game time to address that mental health scenario that we 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 were just talking about. I think you need a dedicated person for that. You know, I think an athletic trainer should be focused on that and that's it. And I'm not saying you can't have those conversations. Right. That's not what I'm saying. Like you can have those conversations. You can chime in. You might like that. That's cool. But it's got to be a separate role on the team. And everybody's got to be equipped with the knowledge to be able to have the discussion in the right way. Everybody got to be on the same page. Just think of it this way. Like they say, you know, in our family, me and my wife got to be on the same page about how we discipline our children because it impacts Mm. their mental health. So not to say all athletes are kids or nothing like that, but I'm just saying, you know, and when there's that hierarchy, you've got to be on the same page. So that, that's my, my take on the whole little deal right there. Word. So here's one other thing. How, what would you say to the athletic trainer? Because here's the, the unique thing about Kristen's position and Dr. Ross is, is similar to many others in the secondary school setting where, and we talked about this too, right? Where they are wearing a lot of hats. So how do we, how do we, ideally, that is a separate person on the field or on the sideline, whether it's a sports psych person or a mental skills coach or you name it, right? How can we or the athletic trainers that are listening to this or the, you know, whoever, the administrators, whoever is listening to this, what are some things that you would suggest that we can do in the meantime or what encouragement would you give to the athletic trainers who are like in Kristen's situation where it's like, bro, because like we know, man, I know I might not be the most equipped to do this, but if ain't nobody else around. That's the reality. I'm going to get busy, you know, in some capacity. Right. So what now that we're having the conversation where we're not in the heat of that moment, what are some things that we should be aware of or mindful of or what what challenge or encouragement would you give? It's it's a mess. You got to keep on keeping on. You got to stay focused on on what you can do and 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 really make that your only priority. Now, if you feel inspired to really tackle the issue head on, because I don't want to make everybody have, that's what we, we, we fail. We think that everybody has to jump on every narrative and it's not true. It's the same reason why I can't go to every protest in Metro Atlanta. It don't mean I'm not for the cause. Right. (laughs) Okay. And and, and so I would say like, not every athletic trainer got to do something about it, but if they feel like they want to make a change, uh, I know one thing that, people are doing is they're creating separate spaces to have those conversations with athletes. You know, you can call it, you know, a a team chaplain, you can call it a life coach, you can call it a character coach, but they're taking this conversation and they're processing things that are happening during the game. And then they're talking about life. Okay. So you have to create space for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing that I would add into that is that a lot of people who are creating those spaces are doing great things and making a huge impact, but they're just not educated to know how to really address it. So they might sometimes in some situations, they might be doing more damage. Right. And, and so it's, it's important yes. for them to have continuing education, listening go. to the right podcast. And, 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 and yeah, so ultimately though, if we want to ch- like, this might be a 50 year, hundred year thing, but who cares? You got to completely change the business model. Yeah. You know, and and you got to spend more on the athlete than you do on the equipment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so is that too much? Like, you know, like no, no. I, I was trying to say it in a different, nah. but you do. And I, and I want fancy stuff, bro. You know, I like it. We get new shoes and sponsorships, but it's like, why, why not take some of that money? Like, man, we just updated our facility, you know, what we, we, and why can't we bring the right staff on or pay the people the right money so they can spend more time? Cause you can incentivize some people. And I'm not saying money is everything, but a lot of people, they got two jobs or they got a side hustle, not because it's their calling or their passion. It's because, you know, they deserve that level of income and they want it and they, and they not going to get it from the organization. So why not build it within? Why not say, man, come around more, spend more time with our athletes. We'll pay you more. We'll pay you double. But that's that's the whole business model getting messed up because we want to yeah. load it heavy on head coach. And I believe in head coach. Absolutely. But we, we need yes. to we need yeah. to change the business model of sports, bro. To be clear, that's- man, we talked about like I was like, yeah, I'll undermine the head coach. But we're, what I'm talking about is at a human level. Right. Yeah, if I'm walking I'm down sure. the street and I see somebody uh, hitting somebody or taking it and I see a little kid getting beat up, I'm hopping out. I don't, I'm not thinking, oh, well, what's the, cult? what's the culture? Right. What's, what's going on? Right, like, no, right, bro. Like right, in that right, instance, right, I'm right, hopping right. out. Right. So true. there are some times where yeah. you, we all see that happening in our settings yeah. where we got to yeah. hop out. You feel me? Yeah. And yeah. have yeah. the courage. Like Adam talked about now. Yeah. There if you, are if you other, see something, say something, yeah, do, yeah. It, do it. Yeah. I agree with so you. So I'm speaking yeah. to that. Right. So I want, but I want to be clear about that. Like Coach, I'm a coach myself, right? I'm a strength and conditioning coach, right? But I am also a coach. So there is no disrespect or or disregard in general for coaches. If you take offense to this, it's likely because your practices are whack. <laughs> right? Yep. All right. And I'm I, again, I'm around great coaches. And by the way, to be clear, to set the record straight, I'm not ta- the stuff that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about any of the coaches that I currently work for or have worked for. Right. Uh, but I see I see that I know some of the you know, I, I see the, the fringes, you know what I mean? And I, I can see some of that stuff. Right. So, I mean, if the shoe fits, wear it. And like you said, like, yo, if some coaches got, got some issues with it, square up. <laughs> we here. <laughs> We I just said it the wrong fire. The Sister Academy of Advantage, their academy arm, is who brings you great educational content like this podcast. For more resources on professional development, starting a business, or advocacy, head to advantageacademy.com. Hey, I love what Daryl said, though. If, if you have 27 colorways on your college football team, but you don't have a mental health professional, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Oh, I think the mental health examination should be a part of the physical examination. I really do. Yeah, I, I really do. If you got yeah, daddy wounds and you got substance abuse and you got we, we see unnecessary bouts of anger, I think you got to go talk to the to the, to the counselor, you know, yeah. and, 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 and I say that meaning like, man, that's just healthy, bro. Like it's just healthy. It's good, solid advice, Prevention. you know? Prevention. And so, um, yeah, that's my thing. I think we should definitely make it like, how can you clear a player physically, but not mentally? That's craziness. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And that's, and, that, and that's why I like what Simone did, you know, I'm not saying I agree, disagree. I'm just saying she made a statement that, if I wasn't physically cleared to play, like if I snap my leg, everybody be like, well, we understand why you're not competing. Uh, but because Nancy I'm Kerrigan not mentally. It, Tanya, Nancy Kerrigan did it though. Mr. Stinson. Yeah. <laughs> playing devil's advocate here, right? <laughs> playing devil's advocate. Hey, but the other half of that I, I, I was know, not mentally stable. Right. So that's my yeah. point, man. That's my yeah. point, man. And, and, and again, 
There's a difference between in competition and out. Okay. Uh, so, so while I want somebody to come and make sure I'm cool personally, because that's going to give me back in the headspace to win. Cool. But there's still probably another discussion that needs to be had after the game is over because competition is competition and, and you're going, it's going to get messy and you're going to say some things the wrong way because the emotions are high. The science will tell you if you ever were read crucial conversations, you're it's, it's almost, almost impossible to really communicate with the right level of accuracy. When, when you have such high emotions, you have to learn how to regulate that to be able to really think through what the impact of your words are going to be. And we, the stakes is too high. You can't do that when it's 20 seconds left on the clock and you got a 20, 30 second timeout. So we got to have a lot of these discussions afterwards, but people got family. So that's why I brought in the money to the situation. And that's not everybody's cup of tea. So do for, do for one, what you wish you could do for all. Right. So speak up, say something like my man said, and then, and then make sure like, if you do feel inspired, know that we got to change this beast and, 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 and it's going to take some finances and some resources and some influence to be able to do that. Yeah. So whatever mm-hmm. you don't have financially, you got to get relationally. You yeah. got to get enough people on board to where you can knock on the door and somebody going to listen because they're getting ready to lose 100,000 people. Right. Yeah. So, you know, or on your level. Well, Daryl, I'm happy that you said the importance of having like a, a space afterwards. OK, because with our listeners, can we have head athletic trainers at you know, division one professional teams, and they are in a position to be able to set something like that up. Okay. They just got to want to do it. So hopefully we're inspiring them to do it. You just inspired me to, to reach out to my mental health therapist on my campus right there. I've talked to her all the time. They're always looking for ways to, you know, reach out to the kids and put stuff together at lunch. So I'm going to look to put something together at lunch for athletes where they can come and talk about what they dealt with at, at competition and stuff like that. So it, it just takes so for us to, to actively want to do it. So thank you. Cause I'm going to actively do it Monday. And, I, and I'm working on a project here locally. You might be able to pitch this. Anybody might be able to pitch this to their team. So I want, here's my philosophy. Everybody knows when you look at alumni donor dollars from, from athletes, you get a very low amount of athletes who contribute to their schools. Okay, I think it's because this space that we're talking about creating Mm. is not there. Yeah. So they know that they are just a a a tool, right, and not a human. So when you invest in a person's life, then I think they'll turn around and fork over money your way. So I think it will actually increase the amount of alumni participation and And financial. Yeah. you see what I'm saying? And so I, I I don't have the data to prove it, but as a former athlete, I'm like. I would give back. Like they hit me up all the time for bread. I'm like, nah. My eligibility is up. And they're like, well, we pay for your education. I'm like, yeah, but y'all threw me away when I was, you know, so I, no, no, you know, I'm not giving back to that. But, but what if the next spaces? Yeah. Exactly. What if the narrative was like, nah, man, when I was going through it, y'all was there for me. Y'all had a space for this. I talked through life. And then y'all turn around and say, we need you new know, helmets. We need new this. We need uh muscle milk. I'm like, for sure. For sure. That's because good. I know I'm investing in something that's that really cares for the athletes. So I I we're getting support that's that's to be able to create these spaces so it ain't just you know, so now you get, you know, Chick-fil-A when you come yeah. to the to the little meeting and you get, you know, it's a whole vibe when you come there versus just like everybody ready to go home and eat. 
you know, and you're just trying to talk real talk for 20 minutes after practice. And they're like, here you go with that life talk again. You know, let's make this a whole experience, man. Why don't, I, why don't we take away, do a weekend retreat? We do whole week long football camps. Why don't we do a weekend retreat? We hang out, we talk about life. We come, we come bring some speakers in, why don't, but we need resources for that. And the, the incentive is that we're trusting and hoping that by investing in athletes today, we're going to reap that, that it's going to, it's going to be reciprocity later. Yeah. Right. And now they're not going to tank and fall into the statistics of those that end up bankrupt divorce after they leave the league or addicted to substances because we've we've helped them to develop as humans and stop telling them that everything they learned in football or sports is going to transition to life after. Because while there are transferable skills to help you be successful, all of that stuff ain't right. And all of that stuff don't help. And there's more to the puzzle. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to just wrap it up for us with some actionable items, both for practitioners, athletes. These are things that you can do in your life to reduce the risk of depression. One thing Dr. Ross already said is connect with a mental health professional. Sometimes that's a hard step for a lot of people. But here's some other things. Improve your sleep. Reduce sleep increases cortisol reactivity in stressful situations. That decreases function of your serotonin receptors. That increases dopamine, which makes you irritable. So sleep better. Improve your nutrition. This is a hard thing to do, but I'll give you reasons why. Sugar is the one molecule that's independently associated with depression, addiction, and metabolic syndrome that you will find in food. Think about that. Find quality sources of tryptophan. This is protein. Tryptophan will increase your serotonin levels. That leads to happiness. Increase the diversity of your gut microbiome. That means eat a lot of variety of foods, healthy foods, because that reduces the risk of depression. Omega-3 fatty acids, we might need to have a, a, a podcast just about that, but look into omega-3s that will limit inflammatory cells. And hey, give go back to the list, man. Just give like two or three food sources. We're, we're assuming a lot for our listeners. <laughs> Omega-3s, for instance, right? Avocados. Avocados, uh, salmon, probably yep. wild-caught, not farmed in Iowa. Feed, go back to corn. the last one, tryptophan. Tryptophan, so quality sources. Chicken that eat in pastures, not are raised in middle America. Same thing with grass-fed beef, things like that. Lots of tryptophan. You have to get tryptophan from meat or eggs. Eggs is another good source. And then if we're limiting inflammatory markers in our brain with omega-3s, there's studies that show reduced rates of depression in adults and children. So again, I think we need to cover omega-3s, but those are, those, are, those are functional medicine types of things. But other way you could do it is build your network. We talked about very, very early on, relationships are going to reduce your risk of uh, mental health issues. Daryl has called this finding your purpose, but go through a values clarification. We'll, we'll, we'll link to some things in the show notes that provide all of these recommendations and actionable items. And then I think in terms of our conversation on identity that we started with, reframe your relationship to your career or whatever maybe you're enmeshed with right now based on your skills and not your job title. Yes, sir. That's good. That's good. I got to say, we got we to gotta convince Daryl to come back because this conversation was fire. Man, Daryl, we just want to thank you again uh, for, for hanging out with us on a Saturday morning. This has been a, a fruitful time. So much, so much to think about, man. This is, for, for our first episode back, this is kind of like, so rich. So there's, there's much that we, that we're thinking about. I'm very challenged by this. I'm sure 
Adam and Kristen have well, Kristen is ready to put some stuff into play when he get back to the office. So always, when, you know, and so <laughs> yeah, man, we look forward to building relationships with you further and collaborating on things. And yeah, man, just continue to do this good work because we can't do it by ourselves, you know. And and then we know you we you know you can't do it either, right? So together we will do this. Another actionable item. I recently read Daryl's book. Go out and buy it. Oh, it's easy to do. That supports his great efforts. Yes. And you'll gain some knowledge in the process. Who there am I after sports? Bang, bang, by the one and only. Appreciate the love, fam. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.